This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. What's up, America and Canada and any other... If you're listening to me somewhere else, how's it going? It's Mr. Adam X, God's favorite influencer. You're listening to the Pursuit Podcast. The podcast where we ask the tough questions... Uh, that we don't write down, that we don't pre-plan for, conversations with real humans about real stuff in the outdoor space. Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what it is. It's fun. I want you to leave these episodes feeling like you had your your favorite soda with one of your favorite athletes. And, you know... I say favorite athletes because one of the the guests this week is one of my favorite athletes. You guys might know her as Army. Name is Alex Armstrong. Skiing since the age of three. And like, you know, here's my favorite thing about Army. She skis fast and straight. Like her best trick, and this is this is a tip of the hat, is just bombing things, going so insanely fast that you are literally puckered while watching. And here's what we've learned, and you're gonna learn more about it in this episode. She does it all in a kid's ski boot. That's right, folks. Professional athlete skiing in a children's ski boot. Army's a badass, and we get all into it. I don't need to explain why. Let's get right into this episode with my homie, Alex Armstrong. Yeah, three, (laughs) two, one, dropping. Uh, (laughs) Alex Armstrong, people call you Army. I don't know if you've ever listened to my pod. that's, That's not up to me, but I don't really do an intro. I let you introduce yourself. So who is Alex Armstrong, a.k.a. Army, to army um yeah that's a big that's a big one (laughs) just bite off right off the bat but uh yeah i'm army i'm a big mountain skier based out of squamish bc i come from ottawa ontario and grew up ski racing out there and then discovered powder and realized i was being a ski bum in the wrong province (laughs) and moved out west um got myself a ski patrolling job and was coaching free ride and eventually made it to uh, a professional skiing level somehow. I don't know how that happened, but I'm here now. (laughs) I feel like that's par for the court. Most people are like, I don't know how I got here, but Mm -hmm. I'm here and I'm not asking questions. Yeah, totally. You just say, okay, thank you. (laughs) This is cool. So you moved from your East coast, then you moved West was Mm -hmm. the goal to be a skiing professional like not even a professional skier, just in that realm. Like you wanted to be a professional ski patroller. I don't, that also sort of came to me like haphazardly. Um, I moved out West and started coaching a like racing club, basically kind of got burnt out on racing coaching because I had just like, my focus had shifted to like being more in tune with the environment and like trying to jump off things and ski pow. And so so I eventually moved into like a ski patrolling realm um, as well as like coaching free ride because I still really loved being connected to the community in that way. But I think the goal for me was never really to like work. It was to go skiing, (laughs) (laughs) you could say. Um, 
But yeah, definitely was never really intentionally moving out west to become a professional skier. Um, I just kind of ate shit in a big mountain comp and someone was like, that was a big drop. Do you want a free pair of skis? And I was like 26 at the time. And I was like, well, if I'm going to throw myself at anything or at being a professional skier, it's like there's an expiration date on your body. So you better start now. And that's kind of, but yeah, that was kind of like a side, like a side quest moment for me. Whereas like on a completely different other path, I was like training to become a paramedic and then that happened. And I was like, I can be a paramedic whenever I want. Like you can only be a pro skier for so long, unless you're Abma. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're Mark Abma. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that was my question. So you were going to be a paramedic. That was kind of the, I was going to ask okay. if it wasn't going to be skiing, what would mm -hmm. it be? Yeah. So when I started ski patrolling, I fully was expecting me to be more interested in the avalanche side of things. And for sure I was, and definitely like had a lot of opportunity to learn and grow and gain knowledge through that. But the thing that I really liked was actually helping people on like their worst days, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, like just being able to like make a difference and get people proper care, like, and just it's kind of weird. It's kind of like a ski line. It's like you almost flow state on those really heavy accidents. And um, I just felt like that was like a really useful and valuable thing that I was like contributing. So yeah, I just ended up going, being more interested in being a paramedic than a ski professional, I guess. It's, it's interesting that you said flow state, because I think a lot of people who haven't been in those type of situations mm -hmm. and lucky for all of them who haven't, but like mm -hmm. even a, a broken arm or a, a broken ankle, like not like a dire situation, but it's fight or flight and you can't teach it. And mm -hmm. you really don't know if you have it unless you're thrown into that scenario. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's cool because like, you can, in those moments, you can like feel your training kick in and you're going through your checklist, but like, there's also like this like gut feeling that you get about certain things that I feel like you have to like tap into and listen to as well. And I just feel like it's like maybe a little bit more accessible when you're in that flow state. Um, when I say flow state, I mean like, you're just like dealing with like what is like absolutely in front of you and like going step by step. How do we make this better? You know what I mean? And like, it's almost innate. It's not really like you're thinking about it. Yeah. It's a very hard thing to describe, but I think, I don't know, ask anybody who's good at something, how to do something. And they're like, you just, you just kind of do it. Like <laughs> totally. no one can explain how to do it. I mean, coaches can, cause that's what they're great at. But most people, if you're like, how do you kick flip? They're like, you just kind of like, you go up and then you drag your toe and that's how you do it. And they're like, what? And you're like, you just kind of, it's, it's flow state in its dumbest, dumbest, simplest sense, but it's just, you just find it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's like, I feel like sometimes I've been like new at mountain biking and new at surfing in my adult life. And like, when you ask people how to do those things, it's like half the time they're just like, I don't know. You just like feel it, man. And you're just like, that is not helpful for me. Especially <laughs> surfing. It's time for some ads, my friends. You know, and this this Pursuit podcast wouldn't work 
It wouldn't happen without our wonderful sponsors. So just take a minute and listen, maybe learn, ask me questions about the brands that support us and why you should support them. I've got a whole list of reasons. But my first sponsor, they're the title sponsor, our friends over at Fisher, fishersports.com. You guys know all about the RC4 with the BOA, the best fitting BOA ski boot on the market. Come on, dude. I'm skiing the mango boot. You guys have seen it. I'm a little leak. But I'm here to tell you all about the brand new collection from Fisher, the Nightstick. They've got a 90, a 97, and a 104. My sweet spot on this ski is a 97. It's an all-arounder from backcountry to park, hypothetical pipe that I might actually be, be riding. Uh, on piste, it carves, it rips. It's AI-generated graphics, which means not one ski is the same. Really fun story. I mean, I can get into the construction. Full sandwich construction provides a ton of pop and stability for stomping those big tricks, massive airs, you know, locking onto a rail, maybe front, you know, front two, blind two, maybe a little pretzel out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Not like I can do that. I'm pushing 40, folks. Poplar Wood Core, AirTech, TI Enforced, Reinforced, FiberTech, Sintered Bases ensure a robust freestyle ski within the best wear characteristics which means it's durable it's rugged it can carve it can butter it can slip your turns if you're a telemark skier the nightstick is totally redesigned all new family again i am loving the nightstick 97 the graphics rule everything about the ski rules Check it out. Go to your local retailer. They did a little drop so you can get them. I know if you're local to me, maybe a shop like 245 has it. They might. They've got it. Check them out. Fishersports.com. Say Mr. Adam X sent you. This thing is your quiver killer. The Nightstick 97 from our friends over at Fisher. And I know, you know, I just mentioned the best fitting BOA boot on the market with that Fisher RC4, but, you know, with a zip fit included from the factory. But what's a great boot without a great sock? So what I'm saying is head on over to darntuff.com or your local re retailer. I really like the Darn Tough website because they have a sock finder. So head on over there. Click through, you can shop by activity, men's, women's, kids, you know, new socks, dress socks, hunting socks, tactical socks, but I'm loving, I don't know why I just stopped, guys, I don't know why I just stopped, I can't read this word, I'm reading the graphic, the men's solstice over the calf, blah, 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 that's the graphic, I'm loving the darn tough lightweight ski and snowboard sock they have lightweight midweight heavyweight socks i really i really find that sweet spot in the lightweight ultra lightweight i i feel in sync in tune with my ski boots which makes me hypothetically a better skier i'm still terrible but blah 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 darntuff.com go to your local retailer ask for darn tough socks here's the thing made in vermont by people who live in vermont for Everyone, lifetime warranty. No questions asked. They will guarantee unconditionally that these socks will last forever. 
uncompromised comfort, durability, and fit. It is the best thing that you can put on your foot. Darn tough, darn tough.com. I think surfing is one of the hardest things to learn and teach. Totally. It's not the same ever. Like what you did on the last wave, you can't do on the next one. Totally. There's, and there's, I feel like there's so many parallels like to skiing in that realm, you know? And I, I feel like I'm like drawn to it because like, you're just at the mercy of mother nature, but definitely like skiing, growing up skiing, I've like developed those skills over time. And kind of like when the snow gets variable or the light gets variable, you can, I kind of like naturally adjust, but with surfing, I'm like total for lack of a better term, fish out of water, you know, <laughs> like just, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry if my board hits you. Actually, I'm, I'm like very conscious of trying not to like ditch the board. That's like my like number one goal is like not to fuck up anyone else's day, I guess. And surfing is scary. Those, those humans yeah. in that water, mm-hmm. I like, I'd rather get bitten by a shark than like punched by a local. Dude. And like, I don't know if you know this about Vancouver Island, but the localism there is wild. Like, it's insane. It's weird that it has that, but I, mm-hmm. I kind of get it, but I don't get it. But it's very hard. There's no bunny hill for the ocean. No. Like, where do you yeah, want me like to? One just everyone is like beginner, intermediate, advanced, converging in one spot. At least like at a ski hill, it's like, you know, you kind of get like sectioned into like where you can go yeah you have an option of like oh Mm -hmm. i'm bad at this i should kind of stay over here Mm -hmm. the ocean's like no yeah it doesn't care i don't know i don't want to harp on too much in the past but i do i do think the ski patrol thing is a very interesting Mm -hmm. come up um and i guess my question is because i think people maybe especially on the east coast which is mostly my audience, they don't mm-hmm. know you can make a career out of being a professional ski patrol. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like the mountain needs people to do this like risk management. Like you're in a very like mountainous environment that without ski patrol there, these like bigger, steeper, more open areas have huge avalanche problems and pose an enormous risk to the public who's skiing there. So it's super vital to have people there controlling those risks as well as like scooping you up when you're, you know, having a bad day. (laughs) I mean, on the East coast, there's tons of people who, who ski patrol, like on the volunteer side of things. And when I was at Lake Louise, we definitely on weekends would have volunteer patrollers to help supplement our like need for people just because we would have so many calls. Um, but we had a dedicated um, ski patrol crew. Basically, at any mountain out here, you're going to see that there's a dedicated ski patrol crew just because we just get so much more snow. The terrain is, like, way steeper, more open, and prone to avalanches out here. So kind of need it, to be honest. So I have a theory. Mm-hmm. And you're my closest to, well, you were a ski patrol professional. And you can mm-hmm. plead the fifth on this. But... Mm-hmm. With giant commercialism of skiing and terrain mm-hmm. and $225 lift tickets. Yes. Do you think one side of mountain ops 
is putting pressure on the safety part of mountain ops to get terrain open when it shouldn't be. Does I mean, that... that's a bit of a doozy for sure <laughs> for me to answer, but you don't I have mean, to. I have seen it firsthand. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it or like full transparency, like for sure, especially when there hasn't been terrain open. It's like, or um, if you're like in an area with a lot of different ski resorts, it's like you always want to be the first one to open your back bowl terrain and like so that the marketing team can be like, yeah, we open the back bowl terrain first. You know what I mean? Um, so there definitely is that pressure. But I also have seen like it, it go like, I mean, I think that there's also a level of respect there. And I think that we've seen enough avalanche inbounds avalanche incidents like in the past few years um, in particular that uh, I think that people are pretty, you know, respectful of what ski patrol is seeing out there. Um, also yeah. where I ski patrolled, <laughs> it's a continental snowpack, which means a much weaker snowpack. So, you know, pushing it there doesn't really, it doesn't really happen often. Um, yeah. And I, I don't mean that to throw any marketing or, I talked about this on, I had a solo pod a couple of weeks ago, right after the Palisade slide. And I don't mean it like, I just mean it more like you have to take your own safety into your own hands. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not pointing blame, like everyone out there is doing their best and like nothing is safe is what I'm trying to hone in. Like, oh yeah, for like, sure. It's like it's, everyone can do their best to control an area, but in a continental snowpack, like we were seeing in Palisades Tahoe, you hit the wrong spot. Like you hit like, you know, a thick to thin rock that like, that's very specific and like it could go, you know what I mean? And no matter how many, if that bomb doesn't land in the exact right place or that patroller doesn't ski cut it in the exact right place, it's not going to go. Like it's absolutely not Palisades fault at all. It's like, it's 100% like just wrong place wrong time kind of thing you know what i mean and i just think skiing has gotten so the illusion of safety and i'm mm -hmm. like trying to flip that narrative like guys just because they dropped the rope and they said go it doesn't mean it can't go yeah totally like, on big powder days around whistler there's just so many little pockets here and there that you can like squirrel yourself into and it's like Ski patrol can't control every single one of those pockets if they're going to open the mountain. So on those days, I just rock like a little like 20 liters. We call them the slack packs from the North Face. They're like super mini. And just throw that on with like a like transceiver shovel probe, like very bare minimum. But, you know, if something did happen, like me and my crew are ready to, you yeah. know. I've been I'm Beacon and Bounds crew. I'm starting it this year. <laughs> I know like the narrative of a beacon and bounds is, is kind of lame and dorky, but like living is cool and like living finding cool. your friends is cool. So that's my new beacon and bounds. Like mm -hmm. I'll probably leave it on. So if you go for a search at the bar, like mine's going to beep cause I'm going to be that guy <laughs> and I'm fine with it. Like that's yeah. screw. Find my friends, just beacons in the bar, beacons in the bar <laughs> and beacons in bounds. I'm not, I'm yeah. this is my new trend. Uh, yeah. Let's swerve a little bit. You had mm -hmm. three knee, knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, 
it's kind of like occupational hazard, but <laughs> I do feel like three is a lot. <laughs> how more than I would have liked. <laughs> how do you one stay positive mm-hmm. through all of it, and two? What are your secrets for like coming back stronger? Yeah, I think just, I mean, it's, it can be a really like dark place to be injured, especially in a mountain town. And especially when the season is like, if it's a good season, I find the years that I was um, hurt or just had surgery were not great years. So I think it was easier for me (laughs) and my soul in that (laughs) respect, to be honest. Um, But I think that one thing that really helped me was I like journal every day. I still do. And just really like looking back on those first few days and like seeing how laid up you were to like where you are in the present moment and like just being appreciative and grateful for that progress. Like, and just, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, just using like that gratitude tool to to be, to like lift you up. Um, And then I was also just so lucky with the support system that I had. I mean, I had like, not only do I have all my patrol friends who like see all this stuff every day or like have had them themselves, you know, I also had like this wonderful couple who brought me in like basically I was living in my truck and camper the last time I like seriously blew my knee and this like couple who bought into Banff um the Banff housing market super early on and like no kids just have cats have like (laughs) three bedroom home with like two spare bedrooms they were like oh if you want to leave any of your stuff here like feel free and I basically they were like my second call and I like called them and I was like hey can I live with you guys and like one of them was a nurse. The other guys is like stay stay at home cat dad. So <laughs> I was just like, Dave was taking care of me. Brenda was like fully like, oh yeah, that seems normal. Let me have a look at your knee. You know, like <laughs> yeah. this so I only had, happens like, in Canada. Yeah, I just had the best support system ever, and I think just like using that gratitude tool and then honestly, like knee surgeries and knee recoveries are never linear. There, there's like some days where you're doing like the two steps forward, one step back and just giving yourself some grace and understanding that like not every day <laughs> you're going to see that progress and like just accepting that and like being nice to yourself about it <laughs> is huge. And I just I just think having like a general like positive mindset set is like huge when it comes to any type of injury. Yeah, it's uh, I like the journaling thing. I've heard I was just listening to a podcast. I think it's Dak Shepard. He was like, I write in a journal every day. And like yeah. some days I hate myself. And then the next day I'm like, I'm the greatest thing on the planet. But having that mm-hmm. just helps you understand your highs and lows more than anything. Yeah, totally. It gives you a place to unload your venom, too. <laughs> Aren't you afraid that someone's going to find your journal? Uh, I mean, for sure. Maybe my partner, I don't, I don't think, I don't think anyone should read that. No, (laughs) but, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't think that I, I just don't think that if I found a journal that I would read a journal. So I guess I've never really like thought anyone would do that. I'll take that. I read Kurt Cobain's journal and then after I felt so (laughs) skeevy. 
Yeah. Just like, <laughs> what do you mean you read? Is that like a book? It's a book. Like his yeah. journal is like published. Whoa. And it's not something That's you like, gnarly. it's not something you like read. You kind of just, it's like a coffee table book, but like, yeah. I remember doing a deep dive. I wouldn't say I read it front to back, but I like put some time into it. And then I finished and I was like, I just felt skeevy. Yeah. No, it's like, I feel like that's, I feel like, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. I feel like that's like a bit of an invasion of privacy, but I think that if someone is open to sharing your, their journal with someone, I think like we all have like human emotions and like a lot of the time there is an outlet for those. So I just think that like that should be our, our own thing, but like, maybe it would be validating to see other people's journals or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and be like, I don't oh, yeah, know. not everyone's perfect. <laughs> like if I ever make it in this world and then they published my hypothetical journal from mm -hmm. the grave, I would be upset, I think. Yeah, totally. I would not be down. <laughs> Anyone listening, don't read a journal if you find it. Yeah, no, that's not a good route to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fear of writing in a journal is that someone would find it. Right. Like, I'm like, I, I guess like, I don't think I'm going to care when I'm like, when I'm dead, you know what I mean? Or, like, I just mean but in I general. Have, like a stack of journals now that are just like sitting under my bed and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess if anyone broke into my house, they have like all of my deepest, darkest thoughts. Yeah. Then they blackmail you. Yeah. Well, I don't know. For what? You're like, like here's a jacket. Here's a jacket. <laughs> I have a lot of jackets and bags. Yeah. I'm the wrong person to blackmail. I'm skier rich, not rich, rich. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like I, if I could put like a backpack in my gas tank, I would be, I'd never have to pay for fuel again. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the greatest thing. On, well, whatever. Uh, 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 do you ride? What boots do you ride? I have like, I actually have teeny tiny feet. Um, so I have a 21 size. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so I actually like kind of did, a, I did quite a bit of research this fall trying to find some decent boots that would work for me because I've been skiing in 22 size boots, which I guess is a size too big for me for like my entire skiing life. Yeah. But um, if that's the smallest you could get, right. That was the smallest you could get. And, you know, I feel like even getting size 22, like a true 22 boot for so long was like such a struggle that it felt kind of like a win when I was just in 22 size boots right. instead of 23. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I reached out to Lang because I did like I basically went through the entire like size chart of all the boots Evo is a wonderful resource for that, by the way, if anyone's like wondering what an actual true 22 or 21 boot like sole length is. Um, but yeah, so I reached out to Lang and I'm now in a 90 flex kids boot. Nice. <laughs> um, and then I put some like pulse um, stiffeners in them. So they're a little bit stiffer. And um, then there's this guy, Barry in Whistler, who actually can put pin inserts into full race boots. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's kind of a very Franken boot situation. I'm so glad I asked this question. Yeah. And then Surefoot does the foam injected liners because there's still like quite a bit of room around my ankle. I have pretty like narrow heels as well. So yeah, I actually rode them for the first time today. So I was in a proper fitting boot for the first time in my life as of today. And 
uh, yeah, it was sick as fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> an insane concept. So what length ski do you ski? And we'll get into your ski, so we won't dive there yet. But what length are you on? Um, it kind of like depends on the day, but I, for like everyday riding, I'm like a 175 okay. to 178. And then for like more like big mountain stuff, I would probably be like 184, 185. How were you skiing a boot too big? Did you know it was too big? Like, did it not bother you? Your foot had to be sloshing all over the place. Um, I mean, now I know, like, well, I definitely knew it was too big for a really long time. I used to be a boot fitter, but it's like, literally, I just couldn't get that boot. Like, it did not really exist in a high enough flex. And at this point in my life, I've come up with, like, enough tips and tricks to make things fit you know even if they don't really fit so i guess i was just kind of like you know autopilot and then for a while i was on other brands that had boots that were involved in the whole deal so i had to be riding those boots and yeah so with rmu i don't have to ride any particular boots so i now have the freedom to like actually wear boots that fit me (laughs) which is such a funny thing Mm -hmm. like Obviously, if you ride for Fisher, you ski in a Fisher boot. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how it would go. But it's mm-hmm. so tricky when it comes to boots because not all boots fit people's feet. Like even no. not even your sizing. I'm talking like just fit, like instep yeah. or width or. Totally. I can't. Yeah, it's like we decided to put the soft thing, the soft bits, aka our feet, and the hard bits, aka the boot, and it's sometimes just not compatible. No, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and we're just lying to ourselves that they feel good. Like, I, yeah, everyone's undoing their buckles on the on the chairlift. Everyone's like, kind of like getting the pins and needles at the end of the day. Yeah, and if you're not, you might be in a boot that's too big. <laughs> well, it's just like a car, like a. A Corvette or a Dodge Viper is fun for an hour. But like if you were mm-hmm. to drive that down the highway to Florida, like it's not a comfortable ride. So no. that's the same sacrifice you take with, with boots is if you want them to ski well, they're probably not going to feel that good. You get them to a point where you like lie to yourself. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, these are great, but like they're not. Yeah, totally. And <laughs> I mean, I think that's a worth it trade off in my opinion is just being able to like, literally be like oh i want to pop off this thing and then you literally the movement that you create in your boot is like happening on the outside and then it's happening on your ski and then you're seeing it in real life whereas before i felt like there was like this momentary lag just because the boots i was in for sure i was swimming in them is the 90 so what you're in like a kid's rx 90 rs 90 yeah rs 90 is it enough like, how are you not squishing that thing? Yeah, so I put a stiffener in it. So basically, like, if you see where that boa is on, like, the Fisher boot, basically, yeah. I, like, I have a four buckle. So mm-hmm. I, like, put a, like, basically an extra tongue in the whole boot system. A whole piece of plastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. And it worked. Yeah. It works. What yeah. a concept. You can- I cut apart an old race boot to make mine, but Pulse Boot Labs actually like sells some if you don't want to take a grinder <laughs> and a Dremel to an old race boot <laughs> and spend half your day scared that you're going to fuck up 
your hand or whatever. I don't right. know. Yeah. What, <laughs> it yeah. was the whole thing that I did. <laughs> no, I like it. I just read about some company that puts like a neon, like a neoprene, not neon, neoprene, like tongue on the inside of your liner. A lot of people are doing it in their touring oh. boots to kind of stiff them up, stiffen them up a little bit, but still give like, like something. It's not, it, this is a zip fit, but zip fit's not doing it. It's just like a guy in Vermont who's been like doing it. He puts like a three mil, like almost like a wetsuit material. That's kind of cool. I was like, I would try that. Like, guys number. I'll yeah, try it out. I'm like, I would try that. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. What about, yeah. uh, what are you, what bindings do you run? What is your preferred binding? Let's say that. I would go like cast every, well, I do go cast every day of the week. I mean, if I'm going on a big tour, I'm going to go with a pin binding, but I just love, like, especially with having so many knee surgeries, I just want something that I know is going to work. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, and that's going to be like no fuss, no muss. And um, especially with putting pins on those race boots, it's like I kind of feel like you want like the ski, the binding and the boot to all be like of the same caliber. Like say if you were like going with a pin binding like a carbon ski, I wouldn't put a race boot on that. I would put right. like something lighter to like match that kind of like flex. So yeah, you just want everything to work in synchronicity together. So yeah, go with a big ski, big heavy ski with a cast binding and a race boot with pins in them to ski tour. That's kind of my mode right now. <laughs> and what is your din setting? It's pretty low. I'm like at about an eight, I would say. I don't think that's low. I don't know. It's you have a twenty-one-five foot. Yeah, but it's about the it's about the pressure you're putting on it. Yeah, but it's also like you don't have a big fulcrum. No. You probably chart it like a four and a half. I don't know. I feel like a six would be pushing it. <laughs> I'm saying you you because of your skier type should be at yeah. an eight, but like you have no leverage. Like, yeah, I'm just picturing like a child. I'm just showing like a child's foot on the screen. I'm like, <laughs> but I don't know, you haven't seen me eat shit. It's pretty spectacular. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's epic. <laughs> Mine happens way too often and I'm real tired of it. <laughs> like, I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, come on, like, really there? How does this keep happening to me? So yeah. cast den of an eight. Let's mm -hmm. get into this. Let's get into the ski talk. Cause you mm -hmm. you skied for Blizzard, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah, totally. And then you went to RMU, which on paper you went from a bigger dog to a smaller dog. Mm -hmm. But you got to create your own ski. Yeah, that was like the huge draw for me. It was like they like kind of made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. You know, like they they were like, we want to bring you on board and because it's a smaller company, it's like, I can literally like text the CEO or the designer and be like, I had this crazy idea. Let's do this. And so eventually, um, we just started working on designing and redesigning some like bigger, fatter skis for them. And I got to be a part of that because really it's just like me, Abma and like Benny Smith, who lives in the States who are like, they're big athletes. So yeah, I got to put... <laughs> kind of put my like two cents into a ski, which was really cool. So how do you define the perfect ski? Mm -hmm. 
I guess for me, because I'm coming from like a racing background, I ski, like I like to ski a more traditional ski. So something with like a flat tail. Um, obviously we have a lot of powder out here. So I wanted early rise. I wanted camber because I like when I put energy into the ski, I like to feel that like rebound feeling. Um, but honestly, like we really tried to like make something that anyone could hop onto and feel comfortable. Like, like for lack of a better word, it's like a standard issue ski, you know, it's got two mils of camber early rise. It's got like a 19 meter radius and a flat tail. And it's like, I just feel like anyone can be like happy hopping onto that ski and like shredding it, whether it's like in crud on a pow day or like in trees or a groomer, you know? And what's so, the width? It's a 114 underfoot. Whoa, I wish I had a reason to ski a ski that wide. <laughs> Sounds like you guys had a pow day the other day. You could have. Yeah, it was know. something. It was <laughs> six to eight on a variable crust layer. Sounds. I was on a 105. That's yeah. It pushing it. It was pushing it. Yeah. So 114, two mil camber, early rise, flat tail, metal yeah. or no yeah. metal. No metal. It's a it's a wood weave. Um, so just wanted to keep it like pretty poppy, and um, yeah, just like a really like natural feel. Like didn't want it to be like too like damp. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, the North Shore 114s. We called it the North Shore because it's like completely inspired by like my skiing, which is inspired by these mountains, which are the coast mountains around Whistler. So yeah, the North Shore. How many renditions? Is that the right term? How many like things did you have to how many skis did you go through until you were like, this is it? Or like how did this Kind of elaborate a little more on the process. Like they didn't just give yeah. it to you and you were like, that's it. This is the ski. Yeah. So it starts obviously like just like you and I talking over Zoom basically with the designers and base they're putting all of the feelings that I'm talking about into actual numbers and like in ACAD. And so that's kind of like where the like bones of that ski is developed. And then they press a few pairs. Uh, I think we went through two iterations. That's the um, term. The first time we wanted more um, rocker, I think, was like the first thing that we changed. And then the second time, there is just kind of like a disconnect between how stiff the tail was and how stiff the tip was. Like the tip was way softer and the tail was way stiffer. So we just kind of like mellowed that out so that it had a more consistent flex pattern. And so, and then boom, third time's boom. the charm. We made a ski. <laughs> and the ski you ski on is the same ski we can buy. Yep. Yeah. There's like no mods at all. It's just like, that's, that's the ski that I ski on. That's the ski that you can buy in any RMU shop or online or what have you. So, yeah. Is there anything you would do differently? I think I would next one, I think think I would make a little bit of tail rocker, but quite honestly, their professor line. So they have another ski that was more informed by Abma and Benny Smith. Um, and if I had to compare it to a ski that maybe some people um, who are listening have skied, it's either like the send the Rosignol Sender 110 or like the Black Ops um, ski by Rosignol. It's like quite similar to that. So like 
in my ski, I think I would like incorporate some elements from that, but then I think it would just, they wouldn't be different enough. You know what I mean? Like I really like the tail rocker on the professor that we have, um, which is like 120 foot, which is like obviously not great for every day, <laughs> but we, I know we are coming out with a 110 of that version. So yeah. Um, so I guess to answer your question, if I could do anything different, uh, I would probably put a little bit of tail rocker, but then it wouldn't be different enough from the other skis we have in our line. So I'm going to just keep it the same. Yeah. And I think I like that answer. Cause it's honest. Like, yeah. If you want a little tail rocker, you go to the other ski. And if you mm -hmm. want a stiff, flat, you know, flatter tail, flat yeah. tail, then you go with that. See, yeah. I think telemark skiers really like flat tails. Mm. Because maybe you, that's my future. <laughs> but like it, that's what I always, I telemarked for years and I shit on it a lot on the internet. But when people ask me like what, to look for in a telemark ski i'm like get a flat tail because you're mm -hmm. you get so far back that you get whooped like you kind of like you need that yeah. stiffness see i like rocker tails because i'm lazy and i alpine mm -hmm. poorly mm -hmm. that i can just kind of skid around so that mm -hmm. is advantageous for me totally and i would say like the one great thing about having that flatter tail is we make a carbon version of the ski that i designed so it's a carbon wood weave and so it, it's great for like ski touring those like big days out there and having that flat tail makes kick turns so much easier. Folks, it is February and I know it doesn't necessarily feel like winter or look like winter, but it's still cold outside. And what better for when hanging out at your car, maybe having a glizzy in between laps than a rumple blanket or a rumple, you know, pack mat. Keep your feet dry, keep your body warm with our friends over at Rumple. It's all that techie stuff that you know, you're wearing it in your base layers, in your puffer. They made blankets out of it. The original puffer blanket. This thing keeps you warm, you look good, you can wear it like a cloak. And what I really, 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 really love is the Everywhere Mat. I really like the Everywhere Mat Mini, just because I'm not in my van anymore. Pull it out of my Prius, throw it on the ground, and you know what it does? It keeps my darn tough socks dry so I can put them into my Fisher boots. See what we're doing here? We're supporting brands that support us. And our friends over at Rumple do just that. So what I'm asking you to do is support us by supporting them. Head over to rumple.com. I believe there's a little code in our show notes. If not, ask me. I'll try to get you a little code. Maybe I'll get you a little love. Everywhere Matt Mini from Rumple. It folds up, it's tiny. You lay it on the ground. It's waterproof membrane, so you don't get your socks wet. You get in your ski boots. You go skiing. You have a blast. You come back. You cook a glizzy. You sit in your chair. You put your rumple blanket on. You're warm. You look good. You feel good. And that is what life's all about. Rumple.com. Have you tried the fastest growing winter sport in North America yet? If the answer's no, then you should. Our friends over at Snowgo, they create these tricycle-looking bikes. They are super fun. They dominate the mountain. They are for everyone. They allow any age to enjoy mountains within minutes without taking an expensive ski or snowboard lesson. I want to give a little local shout-out. They are available at Swain Mountain for rent. 
If you are a local, you know exactly what I am talking about. But these things are available all throughout North America. If you love riding bikes, you're going to love riding a snow go. Here's why I like it. It's fun. I can take friends who maybe couldn't get into harder terrain on their skis or snowboard. I can take them there on a snow go within minutes. I guarantee you will have a great time on a snow go. You'll explore the mountain. They have, you know, if you're looking at where they're available, head to snow, S-N-O-G-O.us. I know that's a mouthful. It's in the show notes. You can click find your mountain and see where they are available. These things are available everywhere. It Again, fastest growing winter sport in North America. And what I want to drive home is it's just fun. And that's the point of being outside. The point of playing in the mountains is to call your friends and have fun. Snowgo hit the nail on the head with this. It is a riot. And, you know, for anyone knocking it, I know there's some people out there knocking it. I'm not get off your horse, try this stuff. And I guarantee you, you will have a hard time wiping that smile off your face. Available at Swain. If you live in Western New York, shout out to Swain for supporting people who support us. Again, find yourself a rental. You can buy them on snowgo.us. Try it. You, your head will explode at how much fun this sport actually is. I love kick turns. We love a kick turn. <laughs> love a good kick turn. <laughs> Uphill yoga. Yeah. Here we don't have any reason to kick turn, like mm-hmm. where I, specifically where I live. But when I lead a tour, I make everyone do all these wacky kick turns. Like mm-hmm. I call them adventure routes and then they get all mad at me. But then we go somewhere and then they're forced to do kick turns. And I'm like, this is what I've been talking about. Like this is. This is what we train for. Well, everyone here, like I'm in Buffalo, New York. Like we're not, we don't, our ski hill is 800 foot of elevation. Like it's, but people just run up the groomer and they're like, I tour. And I'm like, you've never toured in your life. Like (laughs) just wait till you're like puckered trying to make this kick turn. And like, if you fall over, you're sad because you like are just buried. I mean, whatever it's, yeah. but yeah, my, I'm going to start my own kick turn school here on the East coast. It's going to be. I think it's important. I don't know. My, the ski hill that I grew up ski racing at Mont Saint Marie, they have like a, a, a back country zone too, but it's kind of like same, same deal. You're, you're ripping up the groomer, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bumped- but I think it's awesome. I feel like it's like kind of sweet because I think it inspires people from the East to maybe like come out West and do some like trips out here and, you know, utilize those skills that they're learning in like a, safer more controlled environment in like and then applying it to the backcountry with like either a guide or experienced people yeah it's totally like we have a lot of great ski tours here on the east coast they're just different like you're in the trees you're hardly ever above tree line mm-hmm. yeah your exposure is minimal like yeah. every once in a while like in the adirondacks you get like you know, the only reason there's wide open things is because there's slide paths like totally. and that happens to be the only thing you can ski. So, like, but mm-hmm. most of the time you're you're protected. So it is totally. a whole different game. And I like the idea of getting a guide or like going. I don't know. Skiers are too proud these days and it's, it's <laughs> bothering me. Like just mm-hmm. because you do something every day doesn't mean you're an expert. Totally. And, you know. I think like from an avalanche standpoint, 
like safety standpoint, like having a guide is like pretty paramount if you're like going to a new area, just because like you're dealing with a snowpack that you're unfamiliar with. And these people have been like dedicating their whole season to learning it and learning how it like behaves. So it's one, it's like a safety thing, but two, it's like, they're just going to make it way more efficient for you to get the best freaking runs of your life. So it's like, you're not just paying for like that kind of safety aspect. You're paying for like a good time aspect where you you're taking the guesswork out of your day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, yeah. they live there. Like they know <laughs> the freeze thaw cycle. They know they have an idea of the snowpack. They're not just like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast on ski safety, which no one wants to hear about because skiing is safe and fun. Always. <laughs> Like, yeah, totally. So safe. <laughs> super safe. And it's always fun. Yeah. Every uh, day. Filmed with TGR last year. Mm -hmm. Filming with them again this year. Mm -hmm. How fucking yeah, cool yeah. is that? Dude, <laughs> I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things that it's kind of like, that invite and like being a part of that and getting invited back is just like so surreal to me. It's a position that I never really thought I would be in, but so happy to be in and so fortunate that, yeah, I don't know. I'm just stoked I did a good job next last year so that I could come back this year. <laughs> I mean, you were nominated for what female skier of the year or ski segment mm -hmm. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, female performance of the year with IF3. So so they had uh, to call you back. Yeah, I mean, I did good work out there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that pressure, though? Like, It's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people have asked me that, but I feel like I felt more pressure when I was, like, really trying hard and, like, maybe not getting those opportunities because I was, like, I didn't have that, like, validation aspect getting that call from like TGR is like, was an incredibly like validating moment in my life. And for some reason, like, instead of feeling more pressure, it felt like it took pressure off because it was like, these guys fucking believe in me and have my back. And like, that is like the coolest thing ever. Like TGR thinks I'm cool enough to film with them. <laughs> you know, It's like, that is a very, val very validating thing. And as soon as I like, kind of like, stepped into that and like uh it actually felt like there was less pressure <laughs> because, that's amazing yeah in some ways i mean to say that i didn't feel any pressure at all would be a lie um but it felt like more just pressure that i put on myself than anything external yeah that's that's nice to hear and it's a testament to kind of what tgr has built like i don't get paid by tgr so i don't have to be nice to them but like <laughs> it's they've as long as they keep creating films and keep supporting these athletes mm -hmm. i am going to be a huge fan of tgr like you want to make goggles great make some goggles mm -hmm. make some money you want to make t-shirts with collabs of bands i've never heard cool like mm -hmm. you want to do a government collab with send it and get a cease and desist love it keep those sold out probably because oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like keep the, like they they always come back to the athletes and supporting and creating a space and mm -hmm. a tour 
for mm-hmm. athletes and like that because i know tgr has kind of become the big guy now like they are mm-hmm. but there's a reason they're the big guy mm-hmm. and i just it oh like if they stop making a film then maybe my opinion will change mm-hmm. but they're yeah. out there they're creating content they're supporting their athletes yeah and there's always politics involved there's athletes who don't get the call next year and there's mm-hmm. that's business but like um. I, I don't know. I'm a fan. Like I, 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 just, Me too. I, I mean, just think it's cool. And like, just for like, just an anecdote to like, I don't know, completely support what you were just saying. It's like, they called me on a Tuesday. I drove down to Jackson from Squamish, which is like, if you put it in Google, it's like 21 hour drive. <laughs> I drove down there in two days to like film on Friday for like the storm segment that you can see in legend has it, which they just put out. Um, but on the third day of that shoot, my truck completely fucking broke down <laughs> and like on the side of Teton pass at 6am. And I called JK, the producer and Todd Jones. And we're like, I'm not going to make it to filming today. Cause my truck's broken down and I need a tow. And immediately like they helped me find a tow truck. I got my truck towed to the Ford dealership. They sent someone to pick me up with the spare truck that they had at the TGR lot. And then on top of that, like made sure that I could get my sled off my truck and into the back of this truck that I probably ruined by putting my sled in the back of the truck. And like, but that's all happening like at 6 a.m. And they were like, just immediately like had my back and made sure that I was like taken care of. Not to mention it was also like, I don't know what it is in your freedom units but like minus 30 celsius <laughs> cold yeah it was cold yeah. it was cold so i don't know it's just like it's not only that they're like supporting us in our career but like when we're on these shoots like they're making sure that like anything we need and like when we have like a bit of a crisis mode and are a bit like out of our element they're like helping you out big time so yeah can't say enough good things yeah i i've i've dealt with tgr and i've had i have nothing but good things to say and i get it like they sell some things that bother people but like it's business like i i don't know i i am tipping my hat movies we got to sell a few t-shirts here yeah goggles t-shirt i'm for it i don't even know who half the bands are like we went to something last year and they're like this is a collab with goose and i was like Dude, I I don't know who Goose is. And now I've seen Goose everywhere. So they were right. And I was behind, which is fine. I still won't listen to him. But no, I have. Have you been to the TGR house? Like. In Jackson, the, kind of? Well, like, like the like where they do, like the office? No, no, no. There's like a, we'll talk off the record. There's like a house. No, I haven't been because I actually missed the Jackson premiere this year because I was a bridesmaid. So. That counts. Yeah. You can miss that for that. Dude, people only get married once. Yeah, you I was, gotta do I was it. Be in the ski. I was manifesting being in the ski film another year already. Yeah, so you I was planned like, it. Yeah, I'm fine. No, there's a TGR house like 40 miles from Jackson that mm-hmm. like the one filmer's at, and mm-hmm. then they just house athletes. Mm-hmm. And there's a dude, and I can't remember his name right now. Mm-hmm. who's like the caretaker who owns the house who's like the kindest human i've ever met in my entire life oh yes i've been to that house it's sick 
It's like little sled mecca out there. Yeah. I, if you had, if you asked me where to point it out on a map, like literally don't know. I feel like I'm so turned around when I get into that Wyoming, Idaho, like little sphere. No idea but, where I was. But um, yeah, the caretaker guy is so nice. He What's made me the best name? mac and cheese ever. It was a whirlwind. It, <laughs> I, I like, was like, I'm embarrassed that I don't know his name because he was so same. nice. But um, there was Howie. Howie, yes. Mark, Mark Howard, who's like our sled god daddy. Yeah, uh, sled daddy. Sled daddy. Yeah, got to always have one of those. Um, so he was out there. Um, but there was another guy who lives there and takes care of it. And What is his name? When we go there, we cook. He, uh, dude, like I'm going to remember. a combination between like Santa Claus, Jesus, and like your best friend. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, totally. That is like the perfect way to sum up who that guy is. What is his name? It's gonna bother me, but I got the invite to the house we'll and I was in like, the show notes. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I got the invite to that house from uh, Jake Hopfinger, and he was like, "Just come up, dude. It's all good." And I'm like driving across the country in my van. He's mm-hmm. like, "You got four wheel drive?" I was like, "Nah, I'll make it up." And then I'm like, "This monster no. hill. I made it." But like, no. I got in there and I'm I'm like sleeping in my van. I'm homeless. I haven't showered and whatever like i'm ski bumming it i'm having the time of my life and this guy's got like stir fry ready for me i slept in a bed i took a shower and then i woke up to like bacon sizzling and then he packed me a lunch Mm -hmm. yeah but that this is again tip of the hat to tgr yeah yeah no they're they're taking care of us it was it was phenomenal. I mean, it was a, an amazing experience. I'm. I apologize because I can't remember his name right now. But me too. Uh, but I spent like three days with this guy, and I'm. Uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. I'm bad at names. Just same, FYI. Same. I would pick him out of a crowd and give him a hug, though. So mm-hmm. that's all I got. Yeah, totally. And mm-hmm. I'm not a hugger, and I would be like, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you, kind sir." Yeah. Um, so how do you plan? So you're filming for TGR this year. Mm-hmm. Do you have mm-hmm. spots picked? Do you plan? Do they tell you where to go? And like, it's do you kinda, have goals? It's kind of 50 50. I mean, I, I feel like we all are like a bit masters of our own destiny. If we like want a trip to happen and we put in a little bit of legwork and, and work with the producers and, and the Joneses on it, then I feel like fully you can like make anything happen that you want. Um, personally, I just, I really wanted to go to Alaska this year and I'm going to Alaska this Hell year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Alaska's scary. Yeah. I'm pretty n- nervous. It's like, I, I was like asking and kind of being annoying about it. Maybe. I don't know. And like, you know, just checking in to see if I was going to Alaska, <laughs> you know? And then as soon as they said yes, and I like got the budget for it, I was like, oh, shit, you're going to Alaska. <laughs> yeah, you're going. You better have boots that fix or that that fit and don't yeah. flex. Yeah, yeah, ready. He's going to be putting volet straps like all over that top cuff. Yeah, for sure. But it, it's super cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm going to be going with Ian, Sage, and Kai. So, um, yeah, I just I, like... The girl dads, the girl dads, and my hype man Kai. <laughs> <laughs> the girl dads. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, then do you go with? 
I don't know how to ask this without, but like, do you go with a strategy or you just like, just survive? Like you ski fast. I think that's like your, and if I'm wrong, tell me, but like you ski fast. That's what stands out Mm -hmm. when I watch you ski. Like Mm -hmm. this is fast and strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, uh, to steal the words from Celeste Pomerantz, my only trick is skiing fast (laughs) pretty much (laughs) right now. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like just, I've always had like an affinity for going fast. Like my best results were always in super G and downhill, which is shocking because I'm like quite tiny, like I'm five one. So people look at me and they're like, Oh, slalom or GS, you know, but I've always liked going fast. Um, I think that I just like those big, wide, open spaces. And I know that Alaska is going to be at a scale that, like, I probably have never seen or had experience with. But I think, like, mentally and physically, I'm ready to throw myself at that. And I have literally, like, the best team behind me between Sage and Ian's experience and just like Kai's like youthful exuberance to like, (laughs) I think it's just like, I just think it's like, for me, a literal dream trip. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I can't think of a better team to have supporting me out there. And like in this like endeavor that I like really like want to throw myself at. So, yeah. Yeah. I think feeling comfortable and trust is important. Like that's, Mm -hmm. You ski your best when you it's flow state, right? Like it's what we were talking about in the beginning. It's that you're just doing what you know how to do with mm-hmm. people who trust you and know that you know how to do that. Yeah. And I feel like one thing that I really learned about like, or one thing that like I really took away from ski patrolling is slough management because every day you're looking at slide paths and you're looking at like, okay, if I like ski cut here, like, where is that snow going to go? Like, so I spent a lot of time in the mountains, literally thinking about where slough was going before I was even skiing with the slough. And I feel like that is usually like the highest risk kind of situation you can get into in Alaska. So I feel quite like, not to be like, I guess, arrogant, (laughs) like, I feel quite confident in my like slough management skills. You know what I mean? Like, I know when I've got to be like fully committed and pin it because I've got to beat my slough. And I know, like the little like micro features that I can use to like avoid it. So I feel like that's kind of half the battle when you go to Alaska. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just something that most people don't have hypothetical seat time with. (laughs) Yeah. Like most people, most pro skiers didn't spend their time as ski patrol when the mountain isn't open, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what you're doing in Alaska. It's steeper maybe in -hmm. some spots, but like, (laughs) but like, well, sustained for sure. But it's like, it's an ungroomed un like it's a, it's chaos. It's, it's mother nature at its finest. Totally. I, I'm like waiting to get the media call for an Alaska trip and being like, I'm busy. I think like, I don't know. Like, God, I don't, I don't You got know. it. Oh, I would go. I'd be fine. I could, I'm better. Oh, I wouldn't. That's what I pride myself on is being media who can hold mm-hmm. my own. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not pro 
for a reason, but I can ski. And that's like all I can say. That's the hill I die on is like, (laughs) like, we go to Jackson and I'm with all the media. Mm -hmm. I own all of you. I mean, (laughs) that's my meat. The East Coast does make the best skiers. I'm a little biased, but yeah. I mean, yeah, we're just, we just ski garbage. Yeah. So you have to like. It's unforgiving when you ski garbage. (laughs) Yeah. I was in Utah. I was out West for six weeks last year. I went for two, stayed for six. That's how good it was. And I couldn't, I like forgot how to ski bad stuff. Cause I was just like, this is great like it's just steep and deep and fluffy and like that's the easiest snow on the earth and earth to ski yeah totally and like the best feeling (laughs) oh i could do that every day forever again two weeks stayed for six so yeah it was a it was a rough go when i came home but it was (laughs) it was good and jess still digs me so i'm very fortunate so yeah yeah. couple swerves and then i'll set you free here Mm -hmm. what kind of music like do you listen to music when you ride if not do you listen to music on your way there to like shred what are you listening to yeah i mean i don't personally ski with music i just like never really have and i feel like i've just I just like hearing like what's going on around me, like between like if you're riding the hill, you kind of want to like know if someone's like coming up behind you or like, I don't know. I just like the listening to the external world. But um, I don't know. It like really depends for me, I guess. I like get hyper fixated on certain songs. Um, So like oftentimes I'll like at the top of the line, like play the same song for a whole season. Like, like, give me a song. So, like, 2021, I was in my Katy Perry Perry era. I was listening to Firework at the top of every line. That's amazing. And then, <laughs> uh, then like, two years ago, I got, I, like, rediscovered Arcade Fire, which I listened to a lot in my, uh, like, youth, I guess, like, when I was in high school. And No Cars Go was, like, the song of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and then last year, I actually had two songs. I was listening to ASAP Ferg uh, Wham, especially very heavily influenced by Sammy Carlson's edit. Okay. But then I felt like it was making me ski kind of like way too aggressive. And Interesting. like in situations that I didn't need to be skiing aggressively. And so I like reined it in and I started listening to this um, band called Psychic Twins and this song called Strangers. Okay. Yeah. And that was like truly the song of the season. I feel like that's the one that I jived with the most. But give me like a genre of that. Um. Okay. So that one's kind of like more like electro pop. Oh, I was gonna I say guess. electro funk based off the name. So I was close. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. So it's like electro pop, but like still like pretty like chill. And then ASAP Ferg, obviously rap. And then uh, I guess Arcade Fire is kind of like. It's kind of like upbeat, like indie pop. Indie. I was going to say indie pop, and then Katy Perry yeah. would be pure pop. Yeah, top 40s pop. Top 40s <laughs> pop. Yeah. Okay. So that was, yeah, so there's kind of like, you know, but, nothing crazy. <laughs> but you're a song on repeat person. Yeah, I kind of like uh, get pretty methodical at the top of the lines. Like I don't necessarily have... 
like, a, like I'm going to buckle my right boot, then I'm going to buckle my left boot. But I do like to listen to the same thing. I like to do my little like breath work exercise. I like to like pump myself up like mentally, you know, like I don't want to get like too like obsessive over it, but I like to have like at least like a few things that I can like root myself in so that I feel like grounded and it feels familiar. Do you talk to yourself up there? Yeah, like a little bit. I mean, there's definitely I've I'm sure the editors at TGR and Blank who I filmed with before uh, can tell you there's probably pretty funny audio. <laughs> but yeah, it's all like positive self-talk, like you got this, like no worries. Like, is there anything you say every time? Like is there something no. you say before you drop? Like ready steady spaghetti. No, I, I just go with, the, I go with the usual, you know, I'm going with like the three, two, one dropping. We actually have like comms protocol at TGR. So it's like, you say dropping 10, they say copy 10, and then you wait for five seconds. And then you say dropping in five, four, three, two, one, um, just so that everyone is like on board. And cause there's like three cameras at all times kind of thing. Um, but I do have this like weird tendency to like, do like a really big exhale that's like almost like a growl and like that is like not a conscious thing it just started happening like four years ago <laughs> it's, it's kind of embarrassing i think you got to make it your thing or get tgr to like make an edit of your growls <laughs> oh dude they're something <laughs> it's it's amazing what we say to ourselves when we think we're alone even if there's a camera rolling you're just like yeah it's amazing i i love it uh do you have a favorite trend in skiing right now whoa yeah i think that uh oh i don't know i like that people are putting their goggles on top of their helmets i guess (laughs) that's like a lame one to like but like no that's okay that's acceptable I also think that people are becoming like more individual with their style again, you know, like there's less like carbon copies out on the ski hill. I feel like I'm seeing more like just people wearing like one pieces around cause they feel like good about that. You know, I, I just like that people are like flying their own freak flag out there more often than not now. I think that's cause of the boom. I think we have so many new skiers mm-hmm. that they don't know that they're like quote unquote, not cool wearing like a goofy one piece which is like mm-hmm. cool great like let your freak flag fly mm-hmm. but i think that's why we're seeing more of just like our own style because we have such an influx of new outdoorsmen women mm-hmm. people on the mountain that they're just like i don't know like i bought yeah. this one piece from dope or whatever and people are mad about it and you're like who cares like that's I think it's sick as fuck. I mean, it's it's great. We need more people. And I I think it's cool that like individuality is like coming more into skiing. Yeah. What a concept. Worst trend in skiing right now. Worst trend in skiing. Oh, I don't know. Like not claiming. (laughs) I think you got to (laughs) claim. Claim everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm claim cl- yeah. <laughs> I'm for that. Yeah. Celebrate everything. 
Yeah, dude. I'm gonna go. Z- I'm gonna go zeech some rails tomorrow, and I'm just gonna make a claim at it of just me like touching them and then coming off and just like. Dude, if Kim K can do it, you can do dude, it. Dude, Kim K <laughs> over two million views. Diplo liked the post today. <laughs> I, I love that. That's like Diplo saw what I posted, which is I've that's seen Diplo cool. perform at Red Rocks, and now he's seen my art. Which is there you go, Kim K wow. jibbing. Full it's, like a, it's like a artist <laughs> exchange. <laughs> oh, I hope that's on my grave, my tombstone. <laughs> Diplo saw one of my Diplo, reels one time. I was real like pathetic it. about it, too. And I was like, Dip, like Diplo saw this? <laughs> it's like, this is the lamest thing to be kind of jazzed about. But it was really funny. Yeah, no. I think uh, after Alaska, my next like ski goal is to ski with Kim K. That's like my next, that's like. But I think that would be such a good bit. Like if you could take a professional actor or actress or whatever influencer and then have a pro skier and like make content out of it, I think it would humanize her. I think it would make you look even better than you already look. But like, I don't know. I wish we did more of that stuff. Yeah. And Yeah, like, no, I feel like, I, I don't know. It's like. She shreds. I think it's kind of sick. <laughs> She's also human, right? Like people, yeah. like the comments are insane, but it's like, one, it's a joke. Two, she's mm-hmm. just having fun. Like she's just, yeah. go. like what a concept. A person who has like this insane lifestyle that's probably arguably not that fun is like mm-hmm. going skiing and being a human for an hour. Yeah. And having a good time while doing it. Yeah. And jibbing. And jibbing. Who would have thought? <laughs> in the meeting park. Who would have thought? <laughs> She did a whole line. She did a whole run, and it was all flat boxes, so I only showed one. Uh, I have two more questions for you. What is one thing you wish everyone knew about you? Um, it's a horrible ah. question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I feel like it's hard to synthesize me to, like, one thing, but I guess, um, I don't know. I'm pretty nice if you've got any questions just feel free to reach out i'm a pretty open book i guess and i'm stoked that you everyone's stoked on skiing and yeah i like that i'll take that i think that's i do like that because i do think people believe professional athletes are untouchable so knowing that like if you have a question Mm -hmm. ask but on the other side if you like there are other people on the side of these DMs. So one, make them count. And two, be nice. Mm-hmm. Just be nice, everybody. Don't be creepy yeah. or weird. Just be. Uh, yeah. I mean, within like, reason. Like, yeah. well, I got to say it. You got to say it. Like, but just be nice. Like, people are just. Yeah. People are just mean sometimes for no reason. Totally. I swear, when I'm going to. If I ever get rich, mm-hmm. which I won't, but I'm going <laughs> to. If you've ever seen Jay and Silent Bob. Mm hmm at the end in the credits where they like look up people's names and go to their houses, that's going to be me, but I'm going to do it for their jobs. <laughs> like, are you, I don't know, skiing fricks for 2069. And they're like at, I don't know, mm-hmm. their law office where they work. Cause they're a business professional. Be like, did you tell me to eat ass? Yeah. (laughs) On Tuesday at 8.33. I'm just, I'm just screenshotting receipts right now. So it's going well for me. Yeah, totally. Uh, If you could cook a meal 
for anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what meal would you cook? Dude, these are tough. You like started with a tough question. Now we're, this is like a bit of a shit sandwich. Yeah, me. that's what I do. That's how I do it. <laughs> um, dead or alive. I feel like I normally have like a super good answer for this, but like it escapes me at this point. There's no bad answers. There's no wrong answers. Um, well, I know that I would like cook duck confit. It's like if I'm, or poutine. Okay. What is the first one? Duck confit. It's like, um, it's like, so basically you put like a layer of, um, roasty, which is like shredded potatoes in a pancake. Okay. And then you're going to put chev, which is goat's cheese. This is very Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Shredded (laughs) potatoes. So shredded potato, goat's cheese, poached pears. Okay. And then uh, steamed uh, spinach and then like a lug, like a a leg of duck that's like confit style. So it's like really fatty and juicy. What kind of pan is this in? Well, it's like there's multiple pans, (laughs) but the duck goes into the the oven. Oh, you serve it like that. You don't cook it like that. No. Okay. I thought this was going in like a layered pan no it's no it's like a full situation where you've like you gotta cook the potatoes and then you gotta do this at this time but like yeah the duck's the most important part that's like the yeah okay um okay but i guess i have to pick a person yeah fuck (laughs) it's hard um uh i don't know i i feel like i usually have a better answer to this but like there's no bad answers i feel like um shania twain is a homie like okay (laughs) yeah she she did great and she used to be a tree planter i used to tree plant so did not know that she used to be a tree planter yeah yeah dang Mm -hmm. before she made it big shania twain she Mm kind of faded then came back Dude, I went to her concert in May. It was the best concert I've been to. Man, period. ever? Period. Ever? Yeah, period. yeah. I don't know if I can answer the best concert. I went I've to ever one of to. LCD Sound System's last shows as well, and it was better than that. No. Also, I didn't it realize wasn't. I was such a Shania Twain fan. I knew every fucking song. Well, she's got <laughs> some sleepers. Like you think yeah. it's just uh man i feel like a woman or whatever that song's called mm-hmm. is that what it's called that can't be what it's yeah, called yeah they, she didn't she just wanted it to be searchable i think okay <laughs> the seo on that is yeah fantastic. she nailed it this seo yeah. didn't even exist when that song came out but she's got yeah. a lot of hits that we don't know about yeah. also she like married that we're getting deep now but she like married <laughs> the person who got like they both got cheated on mm-hmm and then she married that guy. That's like the ultimate comeback. Yeah, totally. It was like, you know, turning your misery into, uh, you know, something positive. Right. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. Misery needs company and they found yeah. company and misery, I guess. They found love. I love, I'm here for it. So Shania Twain, duck, duck comfy. So- comfy, comfy. It's, it's a French word. It's C O N F I T. Comfy. Comfy. 
Okay. Is it do you do you pair that with anything? Like a nice Molson Canadian? No, red wine. <laughs> <laughs> An OV split. I'm trying to think of some real bad uh, <laughs> beers over there. Yeah, Alexander I mean, Keith's. Oh yeah, that's a that's an East Coast number eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, great. I don't know. I think we did it. I, Army. I think we. I think we nailed it. Uh, we went a little over time, so I apologize. You can still get work done today. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. You're I'm filming for TGR. Yeah. That's kind of what you got going. You, that's your big, I mean, that's a huge project. You're going to Alaska. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to film with Blank as well this year, which is dope. Oh, that's sick. Back to my, back to skiing with the homies. Back to your roots. Mm -hmm. um, anyone to thank? Where can people follow you and like keep up on what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, people can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> Um, but it's spelt kind of funny. It's like Alex without an E and Armstrong without an O because Alex Armstrong was already taken. Dang. Yeah. We'll put dang. it in the show notes. What's that? We'll put it in the show notes so everyone can yeah. find it. Yeah. Follow me. Follow me on IG. If you got any questions about skiing, DM me. <laughs> I know things and stuff. Great. Shania Twain's <laughs> going to hear this, I think. Dude, I hope so. I got Love Diplo. I can get Shania. This is my <laughs> new thing. I and Kim K. I want to ski with Kim K too. I'm hoping she reaches out. That's what Dude, I'm going for. I would die. I would. I, would. I wouldn't even like know. We can end this. This is great. Well, I'll stop.